Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 152. Once again, you've got Chris and Brian, and this time around, we're going to talk about firearm maintenance, uh, firearm lubrication, cold weather, um, different types of ammo, and kind of all the shenanigans those things in combination will cause. Absolutely, guys. Um, we're as, as we do this podcast, podcast, it is a balmy 16 degrees in central Ohio. Um, the night before last, it got down pretty it was close. Fucking cold. Yeah, it was pretty. I mean, it was, it was single digits actual air temperature, and then with wind chill was a little bit below that. Um, you know, Brian and I have some experience out out in out on the range um, in legitimate zero to five degree air temps with pushing thirty below wind chill. Um, and there yeah. might have even been a night a little colder than that. That's pretty rare here in Ohio. Yeah, we had one night. It was. Actual air temperature would be like eight below or ten was, below or yeah, something. Yeah, it was like fifteen below. It was it was nasty. Yeah. Um, and thank God that night it wasn't super windy. Um, but so you know we we and and again you know if you talk to guys who've been in the military and served in crazy places or maybe have been to Finland with the Marine Corps for their winter survival school, um, or or to Drum or to Carson or to Alaska, um, you know, and worked in that environment. Um, I've I've worked in an environment around aircraft in the military where. Actually, we dropped a wrench, just a just a box end wrench that actually broke into three pieces because it was that freaking cold. Um, you know, so the Dakotas. There's a lot of places in North America, uh, in the U.S. specifically. You know, the top third of the U.S. can get really gnarly yeah. cold. It doesn't generally stay there in Ohio, um, but boy, up in northern Michigan, in Minnesota, in uh, you northern Wisconsin, across the Dakotas, and all that, it, it can get gnarly and just stick there and stay there for a while. Um, that's kind of what we're talking about: are those those ugly conditions where you know you've got hours worth of, yeah, it's zero degrees. How do I keep this thing running? Um, curiously enough, I, I will also send you in a slightly different direction too to Grand Thumb because he just did because of the weather. He just did a frozen gun podcast too. Um, and so without getting into brands, there are some very premium devices that at 20 below air temperature or whatever the case was in the video, um, there's a lot of stuff that just stops working and I don't care what names on the side of it or what magic lube you're using. There is a mechanical limit to devices in the cold, um, you know, which is why so many different manufacturing pipeline manufacturing stuff like that shuts down over the winter because, Metal, it's metal, and there's yeah. only so much you can do with the physics of metal. So, yeah. Um, lead off. I'm, I'm, yeah, there's a million places we could start here. Yeah. So, actually, starting from that list in the beginning, going the opposite direction, uh, and when it's really cold, your powder puff ammo um, will cause problems. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. A great example. Um, NATO 9mm ammo around Vietnam era post-World War II. Uh, the Brits still use Sterling stub machine guns. Um, they actually had some plus P plus ammo intended for use in cold environments. Out of a G19 with a four inch barrel, uh, was clocking something stupid. 124 grain bullet going 1325 or 1350. Um, Hertenberger plus P plus flat points. Some similar conversation. 110 grain bullet, jacketed bullet going 1450 out of a four inch barrel. Hey kids. Don't try this shit at home. You will blow your stuff up eventually. Um, the first Glock I killed probably had 8,000 rounds of stuff like that through it, not knowing any better. Um, so, so yes, you can kill a Glock. You just got to mean it. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, you know, there, there's, there's ammo actually made for conditions like this. 
And there are some cartridges and guns made for conditions like this, too. Um, Damn near anything Russian. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of Chinese stuff and Korean stuff is made for gnarly, ugly, flipping cold. Um, But yeah, powder puff ammo. Um, I'm going to, we have a customer of ours, and I'm going to throw this out there who we just recently, um, he's new to us. But he was referred to us by by a longtime frequent flyer, um, building an AR, uh, mixing and matching some pieces, parts, but all pretty good quality stuff. And and we were a little bit concerned because he had a gun that just wasn't quite running the way it should, um, and and a combination of some of those you know maybe maybe minor parts collisions things need to wear in a little bit tolerance yeah. collisions, um, but but the test drive for the gun was in pretty cold conditions. Um, and, and with some powder puff ammo, and that was probably creating some issues, and we'll get into the lube end of it, yeah. too. So Yeah, when it's cold, um, bring out your 5.56 NATO ammo mm-hmm. um, for your AR-15. Yep. Um, <clears throat> yeah, definitely, you know, plus B stuff for 9mm. Yep. Um, or hotter, you know, 9mm non-plus B loads. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of Glocks are marginal <laughs> with the old Blazer aluminum ammo. Um, maybe, but a lot of them just wouldn't run it reliably. If you took that out in cold weather, they won't run at all. Um, if you, over the last couple of years, because of COVID, we've seen a lot of manufacturers pop up making remand ammo, um, and doing some of it in like powder puff configuration, doing it stuff. And when I say powder puff guys, I don't mean that as a dig, like, Oh, I'm going and buying ammo. That's lightweight ammo that looks cool. Or because I'm too much of a wuss to run hot ammo. It's, it's ammo that's loaded to a lower pressure little less recoil designed for guys running competition who want the gun to be as still as it can be and be reliable. Um, but, but a 50 degree temperature swing changes that dramatically, you know, going from 50 degrees and a, a hoodie out on the range to zero degrees, all of a sudden there's the, again, Boyle's law, the pure physics of what temperatures we're starting at yeah. for some of this stuff to create pressure. Uh, if you're starting at a really low temp, you got to work a whole lot harder to get that pressure and make it work. Um, I, I don't know that I've necessarily heard of like squib issues, um, in these situations, but I, but you just see a lot of guns yeah. stop cycling. Yeah. If you start seeing things like failure to extract, failure to eject, yep. um, slides not running all the way to where it's picking up the next round of yep. the magazine. Yes. Yes. Um, stuff like that, uh, very easily could be your ammo is underpowered. Yeah. And, and, conditions. and yeah. And like I said, so, I mean, if you're running ammo, um, you know, that's, that's a lightweight load like that this year. You're like, wow, this stuff is soft. This is so fast. I can, I can really run this stuff hard. Um, you know, that, that's, again, if you're training toward that, that's perfectly cool. Understand what it is. If it was a good price and it allowed you to be on the range and you're a defensive shooter, who's not necessarily looking for powder puff ammo, isn't going to carry powder puff ammo. I still say training more volume with powder puff ammo, even though you're not getting the full recoil and the full feel of the gun. I don't care. Go shoot. And if you yeah. got it for the right price, go shoot it. But understand that when when stuff drops down, especially when you start getting, I, I'm going to say there's a cutoff at like 15, 20 degrees. Yeah, I'd agree. Is when stuff gets weird. Um, and metals in general tend to start behaving differently. Yeah. So. Things start. So the other thing that's going on with the gun, if things are shrinking. Yep. So the gun's actually getting tighter. <laughs> it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, which is creating additional resistance and friction. Yeah. Uh, which brings us to the next topic of lubrication. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Some some lubricants do not play well with the cold. Um, Absolutely. Some lubricants are just kind of trash in general too. Yeah. Um, guys, there's a. Uh, we joke around with this kind of stuff over. You know, I, I just in in my tenure in the industry in the 20 years and my and my tenure as a shooter. You know, 40 plus. Um, I'm I'm chasing down some different things that have popped up in the past. 
um, that were that were metal treatments that were phenomenal. And then some other things that were metal treatments that were absolute trash. Um, stuff with waxes in them, stuff with, uh, with vegetable oils in them that would gum up. Um, and some of this stuff would do it under regular temperatures and normal conditions after a certain age. Um, others, just almost immediately when it gets cold out, just do not work right out of the gate. Uh, if your lubricant <clears throat> looks like toothpaste coming out of the tube, it's yeah. probably not really good for your gun. Or, or or you need to make sure that you're applying it properly. You need to make sure that you're putting it on, heating up the part, putting it on, um, cleaning it back off, and doing whatever it is you're supposed to do. Because some of the failures were end-user failures who were guys who just 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 absolutely would not read the instructions and just thought, oh, I smear this crap on my BCG and I'm good to go, versus I use it as a metal treatment, apply it properly, and then remove it and let the treatment do what it's supposed to do. Um, the, 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 and along the same lines as that are, you know, over the summertime when it's hot out, I, I tend to put a, just a sheen, I mean, just enough to make it look wet of, of a grease, of a high temp like wheel bearing type grease, lithium grease on the bolt carrier group uh, and internal to like the, the um, upper receiver of the ARs. And I mean, just a sheen, I mean, literally not even a pea sized dab for all of it. Um, and then wipe most of it out with my hands to make sure that there's not that, you know, goop floating around in it. Um, but when it comes to wintertime and it gets down to that 15, 20 degree mark, if you, if you went heavy on that and now you're adding lube to it, you're potentially creating some issues. So, you know, seasonal, how you treat your gun seasonally, we live in Ohio. Um, it can be 100 degrees and it can be zero degrees all within a 365-day loop. So be maybe aware of that. Maybe the same day. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, maybe. Um, you know, so, so even if you have, like, you know, there may be seasonal changes to your maintenance routine um, to what you're doing with the gun and understanding that. So if... If you only shoot your rifle, you know, every few months, and the last time you went out was to do buddy movement drills, um, and you, you had some wheel bearing grease on your BCG, and then your GM and slip on top of that or whatever, um, and, and you, you find yourself in a situation where, like, well, that, that worked so well when it was hot, and it didn't burn off, then, man, I had my can on, and it was dirty and ugly, and, oh, yeah, we like it dirty. And then you hit today or this weekend, and all of a sudden all that crap freezes up, um, you know, you're going to have a conversation there. The other part of that too is, um, we, we throw rim oil into the bus on a regular basis. I am just so not a fan of rim oil for a number of reasons. Um, it's a silicone based lubricant. Um, there are probably applications there that are more couples based. Um, but for guns and stuff like that, it, it's a silicone based lube. It burns off ridiculously fast. It's incredibly liquid. The viscosity is almost zero. I mean, it runs like water. Um, I have literally seen guys bring in guns that were bone dry that they're like, oh, well, I put some rim oil on it before I put it in the safe last time I shot it. Was that like a year ago? No, it's like a month ago. And there, it's gone. It just, it's not there. I don't know if it evaporates or if it physically runs off the gun because of gravity. Uh, I'm not sure. And again, the gentleman that, that we're talking about who, you know, put together a good quality parts gun. Um, was using rim oil on it. I had a very low round count through the gun. The tail of the bolt was completely dry. Um, and he said he lubed it up pretty good. And the guy's a hunter and a gun guy. So, I mean, I don't doubt that, you know, I don't doubt that he doused it really well. But he's used to running a pump shotgun, um, you know, or something like that, a bolt action rifle, whatever the case may be. He's new to ARs. And, and, that, and that rim oil, it just, it just burned off the gun. So we, we had an opportunity to kind of say, hey, there was a cool um, autopsy 
to look yeah. and see what was going on. Uh, we got him into some Slip 2000, some EWL, which which should be perfect. Um, you know, and, and we want to see what if that turns out different with that gun. That's one of the things we're kind of a little test drive there, but it's not something we haven't done before and had success. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we saw a noticeable difference in the, the ability for the bolt to go into battery. Yeah. Um, once we applied the Slip 2000 to the bolt and the BCG. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the bolt wouldn't go into battery without assistance um, and, or running the gun. We're running it hard, which it should be. Um, of course, this is no ammo. This is doing it dry. Um, but when we put the, the slip on it, you could ease the bolt into place and it would fall on its own that last turn uh, where the bolt locks up, where the rotation happens. So, uh, you know, slip product, superior product. Uh, I'm not saying there aren't other good lubes out there. Just beware. There's a lot of snake oil. There's a lot of crap. Uh, there's a lot of gimmicky stuff. Um there's always somebody shilling something out there, uh, and we are. I'm absolutely shilling slip, but it's because I believe in it, um, not because somebody's giving me money to do it. So, you know, yep. yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Now that we've covered ammo and lubrication, um, cleanliness yep. is an important part of shooting guns in the cold. Yeah. Um, guns typically, let's say modern semi-automatic firearms, so rifles, pistols, whatnot, uh, run really well when they're clean and they're wet. Yeah. Um, they run fairly well when they're dirty and they're wet. Yeah. Um, they don't run very well at all when they're dirty and they're dry. Yeah. And they, they pretty much don't work when it's cold and they're dirty and they're dry. Yes. Yes. Anything you can do to induce friction within a system is going to slow things down. And, and any of that can be compounded. Um, the interesting thing when we say you can run them dirty and wet, there's, there's a little bit of a caveat there over the winter. Um, yeah. because it depends on what lube you're using again. I've not had the slip stuff have any problems down to zero or a little bit below zero, whatever those temps were, um, that, you know, on, on an AR, um, with just a few exceptions, and I'll get into those in a second, uh, but in general, if the gun's clean and lubed well, it can get really damn cold and it's going to work, um, you know, and, and I'm going to, again, I'm going to say that's, I'm going to say the zero-ish to 10 degrees-ish, yeah. and at some point, there's, there's a lot of things that start to become different. When you throw dirt into that mix, when you throw burnt powder, carbon, etc., into that mix, there's something about the gummed up goop that now freezes, whereas the just the lubricant yeah. doesn't tend to freeze. If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when we we push all that carbon into the gun, um, there's a lot of tiny microscopic air pockets yep. that are at one point very warm and then become very cold very quickly. Um, quickly, and in doing that, they can they attract moisture out of the air yeah and then freeze it in all those little pockets yeah so now we have expanded ice in all these little crevices yep that along with metal that has shrunk um things just get jammed up yep and and you will find too along with the idea of um the heat cool cycle and and how condensation hits the metal and then cools down and stays there along with that um, you're shooting from prone or you're shooting off a barricade or around a barricade that has snow on it. You're blowing stuff everywhere or snow's falling out of the sky as precipitation lands in the weapon itself. Um, while it's hot and melts instantaneously, yeah. you stop shooting and it refreezes. Uh, there's an attention getter there. And there are some things you can do from a preemptive standpoint. Again, when you start talking about getting down, know your gun and know where it starts behaving like this. Um, and, and if you find yourself truly in that like sub 10 degrees or zero degrees or actually negative air temps, um, or, or a few Canadians, you know, below zero Celsius, um, if you find yourself in those kind of temps, um, run the gun, finish your drill, do, you know, whatever you, between iterations of training, 
lock the bulk carrier group open. Um, you know, get the mag out of the gun, lock the bulk carrier group open. Um, you know, you can stage your next mag, do whatever you do if you run a hot range. Um, but then when you go to chamber that next round, you're a lot less likely to have issues. Because uh, generally what happens is the bolt, it, it's almost like the crappy Russian ammo that used to have the, the shellac and crap and yeah. all over it, the lacquer all over it. Um, they're going to go into battery after you ran, you know, a couple mag string of fire and you'd go into battery, the lacquer would cool down and it glue. It's glue. So it would glue it, it would glue the bolt close. The ice does similar things. It can glue the bolt close. So if you leave the bolt open, dropping the bolt and firing generally is a, is a good solution to that. Um, but you also just created a hole at the back end of the barrel now too that you need to make sure remains clean and unobstructed by snow so that you don't have an obstructed barrel yeah. and a detonation. Uh, and, and the cool thing with ARs is they have a dust cover. You, if the bolts lock back, you can still close the dust cover, do it. No big deal. So, yeah. So there yeah. are some ways around that. Uh, but I, I will say that I think that over, over, when it gets nasty, not over the winter so much, but when it gets nasty cold on those few rare days in Ohio, um, having a clean gun matters. It Absolutely. really does. And that's, and, and I know that, you know, we catch a lot of crap from the professional guys that are serious and they, that, you know, they clean their guns more often and all that. That's cool. I get it. Um, I know a number of those guys that don't clean their guns either. They run the piss out of them, but they know them well enough to know that, you know, potentially this time of year, wipe the damn thing out, lube it real good before you go out, on, yeah. you know, on the job. So, um, yeah, on the cleanliness side, if you're running the gun suppressed, um, that suppressor probably doubles your maintenance or cuts your maintenance cycle in <clears> half. <throat> yep. Um, cause it is blowing a lot more carbon and dirt and things Yeah. back into the operating system of the gun. Um, so be aware of that. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, when it is really cold, that extra bit of back pressure can be helpful. Yep. Yeah, because the gun thinks the barrel's an inch or two longer. Um, yep. That free bore boost, you know, that 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 suppress. It also makes the gun run a little bit hotter, um, which maybe maybe melts things a little. I don't know. I, yeah. I I've had less problems because the and, and I'm also running a can that has horrific back pressure, so you know that that halo's miserable when it comes yeah. to that so. and if you got gloves on it's a nice convenient way to warm your hands up <laughs> <laughs> yeah just be careful you don't melt anything off of your gloves and make sure they're you know they're properly amenable to high heat temperature yeah they're they're what is it they're kelvar yeah or uh, or some aramid or something <laughs> like that that's that's you know temperature resistant so uh, but yeah guys as you're getting out this time of year playing with this stuff um i i will say that if you're going to go out and have a range day with the buddies or go train or even go hunt. I mean, depending on what you're hunting, if it's a multiple shot hunting situation, maybe it's coyotes or hogs or something like that. Um, you know, wipe the gun down, clean it down inside and out, lube it appropriately, not heavily, but appropriately and avoid some of the more viscous stuff. Um, meaning grease, meaning something that at room temperature is, is a paste or nearly a solid versus like the EWL is a liquid and it stays liquid pretty far down there yeah. temp wise. Um, yeah. And then, and then also be aware, like I said, it's hard to get to know you're going to these situations if you don't train with them. Um, if you're one of those dudes who you've been there and done it and, and you're done training in this kind of crap, um, thank you for your service. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, you know, but it is, if, if you haven't gone out and done it, it's no different than doing athletic stuff this time of year too. Um, see what it's going to do to your lungs when there's no moisture in the air and the air is 15 degrees, 10 degrees going outside and trying to do shit, uh, pre-warming that air becomes a big deal. And those are all mechanical things, just like the gun that you need to do to keep shit working. Yeah. So, yep, absolutely. Yeah. I would say, um, semi-auto and pump action shotguns also fall into this category yes. of keeping them clean. Yes. 
Uh, we had a instance. We were out on the range. This is what five, six years ago. That that was if there was a night that was below zero actual air temperature and then wind chill gnarly. That was the night. Wasn't uh, we it? had we had one more. We were, we? We were okay. shooting rifles too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, shotguns create a whole lot of heat um, yep. over a big surface area with fairly low pressure cartridges. Yep. Um, well, sh shotgun barrels are super thin. Yeah. They're super thin, so they get hot quick. You don't realize it. Um, yeah. We saw was multiple 870s, a couple of Benelli's, uh, I think a Mossberg or two, mm -hmm. like all pretty much frozen shut. Yeah. Like and not, I, not functional. I, I do think that a big part of that was um, was the, the transitional aspect of how the guns are being used put us on the ground with the guns in the snow, and there was a fair amount of snow in the air yeah. and on the ground. And so I think this was a situation where um, those slides, the twin bars, the action bars on both the Mossbergs and the 870s, the pump guns, um, your gun didn't crap. I also cleaned mine the night before. Okay, so you, so your gun <laughs> continued. Um, I was able to keep mine working, but it, it froze up a couple of times. Um, but I'm super comfortable with the 870 series guns, and I know that in general, almost anything that goes wrong with an 870, um, if you can get the bolt to move at all, and you can grab a hold of that foreign and bounce the buttstock off of something, you can generally make it work. But I had to horse mine to keep it in the game, yeah. um, to the extent that it was it was better off to transition to a handgun to try and keep the daggone thing working. But I do think that that was melted snow in the system that refroze yeah. on a couple different occasions. But man, was it fun to watch. Uh, because learning surely did occur. The old 870 that never fails, the old pump gun that never fails, the old 590 I used in the Marine Corps. Um, some of those guns were, were choking hard yeah. that, that night. And again, extreme situation. Um, you know, and that's 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 just knowing what your gun will take and what it won't. So, And I mean, yeah. I've had an 870 out in some nasty weather deer hunting as a kid, mm -hmm. you know, for 10, 15 years in a row, 20 years in a row. I was shooting rolling thunder drills. Exactly. No, exactly. I wasn't getting the gun hot. So, you know, if it did get snow on it, it was getting it was going onto something cold, so it wasn't melting and then and then refreezing. Um so that that was I think the big difference. Because I was pretty stunned by that. I really was not Yeah. There were know, a bunch of guys that again came in with thirty guns. Yep. Maybe not me. properly lubricated. Absolutely me, this guy. Uh, yeah, sure. just it, that is a a mm -hmm. comedy of errors that compound themselves. Yeah, and that's this is also another one of those places too where your revolver um, same conversation with the revolver. There's a lot of contact surfaces. There's a lot of movement around that cylinder. Um, that that five to nine thousandths gap between the cylinder and the barrel is a great place for, for snow and moisture to get in and then refreeze. Um, some of the gaps in the pole that turns the cylinder and in the back end of the gun. Um, you know, I, I, I have seen revolvers choke in cold weather too, in, in hunting environments and stuff like that. Um, it is as warm as 15, 20 degrees as well. So, I mean, it, it's. You know, it's yeah. just it's 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 made by man, and in general, things made by man aren't aren't made to work at zero degrees, um, yeah. or, or or just it's hard to make them work at zero degrees yeah. for an extended period of time. And we start talking about those kind of tolerances. That's well within the metal stretch when it yep. freezes. Yes. Or shrinkage, I guess yep. we should say. Yeah, shrinkage. Um, we don't like shrinkage. Yep. So, yeah. Cool. Um, I, I don't I don't know. I have a lot to add to that, guys. Other than. Like I said, if it's going to be gnarly, um, you know, step up your maintenance interval. And if you run a suppressor, step it up double, um, because it, it's when it gets nasty cold out, weird things happen. So um, getting in, I'm, I think I'm going to get into clothing into things. So that's a whole other conversation, and yeah, we've covered we, that we've a covered few that times. A, yeah. yeah, not too recently. Yeah, uh, so go back and check the archives. Exactly, check the archives on that, um, because the gear that keeps you working will allow you a little better opportunity to keep your gun working. 
Uh, so be be aware of that as well. Um, be aware of that as well. You, you're you are part of the system. So our matrix. What is it? Which one is? It? Yeah, Red same pill, thing. Blue pill. Whatever. Anyway. So yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. On that note, um, follow us along on social media. We're on Instagram as Cap City Outfitters Two. It's our new Insta Shizzle. And on Facebook, just look for Cap City Outfitters. Um, so please give us a follow or give us a like on there. As we get new inventory and things at the store, that's where they get posted. Uh, we also send out an email on Fridays. You can sign up for that on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, or drop us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com, and we will add you to the newsletter list. Uh, also on our website, you can find valuable information, such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. Uh, if you're doing that with Silencer Shop, be aware they are still through probably the end of January, um, getting fully integrated with the new e-form system that the ATF rolled out. Yep. Uh, we still encourage you to go through Silencer Shop and run um, through their process. We still think that is the most efficient way absolutely. And, and at to the do moment, a Form 4 for a suppressor. Absolutely. And at the moment, they're publishing some videos explaining the changes in process that are all available via their website. So you can go right to their website from the link on our page. Um, and review those videos and see the changes in process and have an idea what's going on. It's a good thing. It's just a change, and there's going to yep. be some time to get used to it. So, yeah, uh, yeah. And then we are here in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. We're in front of the Aldi's. We're directly next to Louis Fusion Drill, and we're in the store Tuesday through Saturday, 10 to 5. And look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Appreciate it.